Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is my bookshop.org store and my Amazon store. I don't know if you guys even know that I have these, but you should check it out because I sell all the books that I've had on this podcast, so you can easily find them and buy them. The bookshop.org site is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And the Amazon shop is amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books. So I hope that you will check out my Amazon influencer store and my bookshop.org storefront. And the bookshop.org storefront also has all the books from my Zibby's virtual book club and some other suggested reads. So I hope you will check those both out and go shopping. Go buy some books from the podcast and support all these amazing authors. Malcolm Mitchell is an author, poet, and a former American football wide receiver, the famous rookie who helped the New England Patriots win Super Bowl 51. Malcolm serves as the New England Patriots summer reading ambassador and is the founder of an initiative called Read With Malcolm, which introduces book ownership to students and works to improve literacy in schools. His own Share the Magic Foundation promotes the benefits of reading to kids in underserved communities. Malcolm Mitchell is the best-selling author of The Magician's Hat and author of the new book, my very favorite book in the whole wide world, an exciting story that shows reluctant readers there is a book out there for everyone. Welcome, Malcolm. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. No, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. By the way, I'm a new father, so Oakley, my son's mom, looked up the podcast and told me I was on a superstar podcast, so thank you. (laughs) Well, congratulations on your son. That's really exciting. Thank you. I appreciate it. How old is he now? He's going to be six months in a few days. Oh, that's good. You got the smiles going and all that. Yeah, exactly. You have some experience, huh? I have four kids. (laughs) I'm out of the baby stage, but I miss the baby stage. I love babies. Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm ready to be out of the baby stage. I love babies, but now I would be happy to hold someone else's baby. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Yeah. Sleeping is nice. I don't miss having four babies. I had twins too. So that was really tough, but yes, somehow the days keep going and they get older and that's really fun. Moms are incredible too. Um, I always say uh, Jasmine Oakley's mom does 99% of the work and then I complain about the 1% I have to do. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, At different times, different parents step in. So who knows? Maybe at age five, it'll be 99% you or it'll stay the same. Anyway, I'll let you two work that out. (laughs) Well, congratulations on your book, my very favorite book in the whole wide world, which is a fantastic book. For listeners who aren't familiar with this book yet, can you just tell them the basic story of it? And then what inspired you to write this particular book? Yeah. My very favorite book in the whole wide world was inspired by my personal experience. I grew up a striving reader, struggling reader, 
I believe some words were too big, some books too thick, some sentences too long and complicated. And I was afraid of reading. My hands would get sweaty. And my behavior really suffered from that in classrooms. But through my journey into literacy and finding a love for books, I realized how magical they are, how powerful they can be, and how much of an impact they can have on one's life. So I committed to making sure kids understood the importance of reading. And my very favorite book in the whole wide world kind of documents this kid going on this search for this book that inspires him. But through his journey, he realizes that sometimes the best stories can be found inside of ourselves. Love it. Yeah. I didn't see, I, I kept wondering the whole book, like, what's the book going to be? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you had that nice twist at the end and wrapped it all up with the nice bow. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was a little, at first when I, I wrote the story, I said, I don't know, it could, be, it could come off a little corny. But, you know, it's, it's such a truth though, right? You go on this, this search for this, story or you search for purpose to find yourself and you realize your the answer was always there and i guess that's a more philosophical look at it <laughs> but it's true that's the way it is with most things in life you know the things that you strive the hardest for are often found within yourself anyway so I'll, I'll carry the corny game on with that, <laughs> extrapolating it to life in general. So I read that you were reading at a middle school level when you got to college. Yeah. What happened then? And also, were you ever diagnosed with any sort of learning disability or was it just a lack of education in the reading arena that caused that? Like, what was that about? Let me start by saying I was not diagnosed with any learning disabilities. I think my community promoted sports and entertainment over education. And I was just like every other child. It's no one's fault. It's just the way the community was structured. So I had this intense draw to sport and football, which worked out, right? I, made, I was able to go to the NFL, played in a Super Bowl, and I had that unworldly experience. But it was really restricting, and it kind of placed me into a box, only relying on that natural skill set. So once I got to the University of Georgia, I kind of realized how limited my thinking was. My exposure was not wide or broad, and I wanted to, to change that. I wanted to feel empowered, not just physically, but mentally. And through a series of fortunate events, I discovered that if I wanted to be more emotionally intelligent, more cognitive, a better decision maker, I needed to be literate. And there are different signs that I'm more than willing to dive into if you want that led me to that conclusion. So I started trying to read. But when I started, I actually started with this book, which it's titled The 48 Laws of Power. And I mean, I, was, I wasn't a reader. That's what you started on? I, I, Maybe that was your problem. I mean, we... <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if I could get through that book. And I read like a trillion books. I started with this and I was, of course, I was discouraged. Sorry about that. I was terribly discouraged, right? <laughs> I put the book down. I said, forget the book. For people listening, by the way, Malcolm just held up like a thousand page <laughs> book with like the tiniest font and like a trillion words per page called Power, which looks incredibly intimidating. It, although I'm sure it's fantastic. It is fantastic, but it's still intimidating. And, you know, it took me like a year to read that thing. But anyway, I, I started off with this kind of like every, I do everything else in my life. I just jump in, right? It's, 
and had no thought, got into it, realized it was terribly difficult, kind of shied away from it, but had this revelation that, no, I need to read. So I started reading picture books and kind of took my athletic approach of you start with fundamentals and then eventually you get better and then you become your own version of the athlete you want to be. So I say, I thought to myself, well, maybe if I do this same thing with reading, it'll work out. So I started with the fundamentals. I went back and started reading picture books. And, and you taught yourself. I'm, you did it by yourself. I'm in my dorm room reading uh, the hungry, the very hungry caterpillar, writing down notes about sentence structure. I'm see- <laughs> wow. And I did that with books like The Giving Tree, Exclamation Mark, Cat in a Hat, All the Places You'll Go. And eventually... My theory kind of played out like I thought it would. I gradually got better and better and better. And I went to, I think I started like self-help because they were really easy to read. And then, <laughs> then I moved to like graphic novels because they were very simple. And then I moved into young adult that started with Harry Potter and The Hunger Games. And eventually I was writing down vocabulary words and such and such. And, you know, next thing I knew I was reading the four day laws of power. Wow. It's kind of it, it was it was a fun journey to even go back and think about. <laughs> Funny story. I'm glad this is casual because I'm rambling. Please ramble. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> Funny story. I started reading these books and I I figured, you know, if I enhanced my vocabulary, I'd be a better reader. My big one of my biggest struggles, or I couldn't identify the words and I didn't have the skill set of sounding them out. So, what I would do is I'd read the book. If I came across a word, I jot it down and I'd go to Google, let Google say it to me. And then I challenged myself to use that, that word in a, a sentence three times a day. Now, I'm in a locker room full of other athletes just like me that had similar backgrounds who didn't have this overwhelming appreciation for education. So I'm using words like superfluous and, ev- and evanescent. And they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was fun, fun journey. That's really impressive. So you in the middle of college and you're playing football in college and you're soon to be drafted to the Patriots, you could have been doing anything. You could have just been partying every night. You could have been relaxing anything. And instead you've chosen to completely improve yourself in every way by teaching yourself and, and pushing yourself through all these stages. What was the huge inspiration? I think my, I mean, if I go back to the, the root, it would probably be my mother. I grew up in a single parent household in a small town. And my mother had this infectious way of encouraging and uplifting and empowering. She was limited due to her own personal challenges. And she really enforced this unwavering faith and almost blissfully ignorant belief that you could do anything you set your mind to. (laughs) And I I adopted that. And that's what helped me be be a professional athlete. It's also helped me never, bad sentence structure here, never stop striving to be a better version of myself, even today. Always just on the search for more not monetarily or material materialistic, but just trying to really reach my full potential. And that I'm not sure that's even possible, but my mom made me think that it is. And I still believe that. So I still go. And when I realized that 
I would be capped if I wasn't literate. I needed to be literate, right? To stay on track of evolving into a better version of myself. So it, my mom is the answer to your question. What, what is your, have you told her that? <laughs> Maybe not like that, but she's pretty. So in my book, in my first picture book, The Magician's Hat, the forward is to my mother for always allowing me to believe dreams can become reality. And then in my second book, my very favorite book in the whole wide world, I wrote to my mom, my very favorite person in the whole wide world. I know. That's so nice. Maybe not directly, but indirectly, I think I've tried to acknowledge her. Well, you should just call her when we finish doing this and just say what you said. (laughs) Because as a mom, if my kid were to call me and say that, I mean, I'm sure she's insanely proud of you to begin with. But just to hear it, I bet it would make her day. Just saying. Okay. If you have a free minute. You'll make her smile. After my mom, I have all the time in the world. Aww. Are you an only child? No, I'm the middle. Wow. I'm He's the middle of, yeah. And did your siblings grow up with the same drive as you? Or was it just you? Like, are they, yeah, yeah the same yeah. way? So I, so I have an older brother and a younger sister. I'm the middle. I would say they have the same drive as I do. They took different direction, of course. We didn't go all in the same direction. Uh, We are all on our own individual journeys, but that philosophy of never giving up and pulling the best out of yourself is something I think my mom instilled in all three of us. So what is it when you, I mean, you must have hit so many roadblocks in different areas in your athletic career and you're teaching yourself to read now, writing, forming your nonprofit. I mean, what is it you do? Like, how do you get How do you push past those moments where you feel like you can't keep going and then you do anyway? I've had several of those moments. In college, I went through a series of injuries that kept me out of football for a year and a half. I went through that kind of the same situation once I got to the NFL. I ran into that issue in reading, forming the nonprofit. I mean, problems are everywhere. It's just the way of life, right? But I heard this powerful message this past weekend that said, how can you have victory if there's no battle? Mm, That's good. Right? Yep. That's a good one. So it's like the the way I live my life. Once it gets hard, it almost energizes me because now I have something to conquer. Now I can, you know, get out of bed and say I'm after something. And I don't know. I, I think that's just maybe a part of my personality. I can't really take credit for being that way because I don't know how I, be, I became that way. But there, there's, it's impossible to be a winner or that's a bad word. Let's use a different word. It's impossible to, to, be, to have victory if there's no battle. So there has to be some type of confrontation to accomplish anything. And I'm sure you've even had your own set of obstacles with this brilliant podcast. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Yes, everybody. I've had lots of obstacles and lots of setbacks and losses and things in life that happen that, you know, knock you down. How did you overcome yours? Thank you for asking. That's nice of you. How did I overcome mine? One thing I always try to do is focus on the things I'm grateful for, even when I'm going through things that are really awful. Like it could always be worse. That's sort of my mantra. It could always be worse. Like, yes, this is terrible. Yes, I'm devastated. Or yes, this is awful. But then I start 
because I worry about stuff all the time. So then I just start thinking about the 8,000 other things that could be really bad. And then I feel a little less bad about what's going on. (laughs) Okay. Reverse psychology. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I got you. Okay, cool. That's how I do it. (laughs) When I want to talk about your nonprofit, but I have to ask about your, your sort of career ending injury, because I always wonder about athletes who, you know, I read your all, and I'm, my husband's a football fan, but I have to say, I I don't really follow football. So I didn't know about your career ahead of time. And he would he's not even home right now, but he'll probably make fun of me for this, but no, not that he makes fun of me, but you know what I'm saying? Anyway, okay. I didn't know the trajectory of your career. And when I heard about your injury, I thought about all these athletes of all different sports who I hear about who all of a sudden they have an injury and they have to stop. And I think, oh my gosh, how, wh- like, how do you deal with that? I mean, after a lifetime of training and your body fails you when like everything else might be in line, what then? Like, how did you deal with that? It's heartbreaking. And to be honest with you, it's still, still terribly difficult to get past that emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I'm trying to maybe for the those who are listening, give a good. It's like you have a 15-year career and you wake up one day and someone says, no, nah, you, you can't go to work. You can never go back to that job. And you say why, and they give you this answer that's out of your control. <laughs> so it's like you, it's, it's kind of, I'm doing a bad job of explaining, but it's kind of like, and I think this is a testament for how difficult it is, right? It's not a bad job explaining. It, it's, it's something a lot of people can relate to. It's not your fault and it, it's not fair. And it happened anyway. Yeah, but you have to, you have to accept you have to accept it and you have to move on and you can't stay stuck in the mud or, you know, life will pass you by. It is really difficult. I advise anyone going through any catastrophic changes, you know, to get a counselor and kind of help you work through it. I think for me, it was just really tough thinking, you know, I had been playing sports for since I was like nine or 10 years old. Right. So I was 15 years in. And I just had no other understanding of how the world worked without athletics. Imagine being on a different planet because that's the reality, right? I'll be honest with you. The way athletes think, perform, their daily schedule is so different than 99% of the rest of the world. So when I was done being that athlete, it's kind of like I got thrust in this environment where I didn't even understand it. What do you mean people can't yell at each other and move on? What do you mean that, you know, what do you mean you can't tackle somebody if you're mad? <laughs> you know, or how do you handle your problems? Because handling my problems were in the form of some physical exertion on another human being. You go to jail for that. You can't do that anymore. Right. I had never dealt with anxiety because by the time I become anxious, I go out on the field and make this extravagant play and it's filled with this euphoric appreciation that, okay, I'm no longer sad or anxious or depressed. So now I have to deal with those real emotions. So it's, 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 a, it's like reprogramming hmm. or evolving, depends on how you want to look at it. And how is your knee now? Like, are you functional in your body? Like, can you go for a run or are you like done with yeah, everything? Yes, I can, I can do basic workouts. <laughs> But no more cutting left or right. That that phase is over. No more Tom Brady catches and Super Bowls. And- yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no more of that. Maybe some backyard catch. I can handle that. <laughs> 
So he just has to come to your backyard. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Tell me about Read with Malcolm and your whole foundation and how you're helping all these other kids read. I started Share the Badger Foundation in 2016, soon as I graduated from the University of Georgia. And I wanted to start the foundation because like many kids in my community, millions of kids around the world don't understand the importance of literacy. I don't think I was an anomaly by any means. I couldn't have been because I there are hundreds of kids that I grew up with that thought the same as I did. And by the way, nice use of anomaly, but keep going. <laughs> I just wanted, I had went through this transformation through literacy. I had become empowered and I wanted to give that gift to other people. I did not want them to feel they only had these two options of being an athlete or entertainer to live a, a sustainable lifestyle. But in some communities, that's just what you believe. I mean, I'm a picture book author. That's the strangest thing if you go back to my community. Like, that's not even talked about. Anyway, I started the foundation because I wanted to spread this magic that I had discovered with other kids around the world, hoping that I could unlock their potential just as reading had unlocked mine. And that's why that was the... That's the simplest reason of why I started Share the Magic Foundation. And how involved are you? Like, is it something you do every day or is it you just check in on board meetings or like how? Yeah, no, it's every day. Every day, every day I'm doing something to further the mission. Right now we have virtual reading challenges that go on annually. Our next one is Read Bowl. And we get on the phone each morning and we talk about how to make that accessible to kids and communities where it may be tough. And we also talk about book ownership, how to make sure kids who can't afford a book has one. And that is that and being an author is what I do to say. <laughs> and how do you distribute the books? Like, do you help, do you raise money? And then how do you allocate where the books go? I mean, I'm assuming that's how it works, but. Yeah. So we used to do it through in-school programming that's been affected by COVID. So now we, we raise money and we purchase books from third parties and we distribute them into communities uh, like poverty pockets and, and book deserts. And usually it's to a title one school. We do it through schools versus individual households, just because we can do a better job of managing the process. Mm-hmm. So all money raised goes to book ownership and making sure that our virtual programs stay free. That's something that is important to me. To me, reading is like food. It's like I have this belief that necessity should not come at a fee. I'm really bothered that we have to pay for water and food because without it, I wouldn't survive. And all literacy kind of falls in that category. That's just how strong I believe in it, right? Without it, you're kind of like stuck in the cycle of poverty and you're kind of caged by not having that social mobility that literacy can grant you. And that's just as deadly as, to me, as not having shelter. So it should be free. <laughs> so that's, that's my philosophy with the foundation. And do you teach people with your virtual programs how to read? Like, what if they get the books, but they, they can't even read children's books yet? Or So we don't, we don't do, what we do is, let me talk about what we do, and not take a negative spin in it. What we do is we provide the tool, mm-hmm. which is the book. And then we inspire. We don't have the bandwidth today to productively teach reading. But what we do have for now is the financial capabilities to make sure those who don't have a book have one, because that's 
part of the biggest challenge, right? It's hard to tell a kid or any person to read if they don't have a book or any form of language to read. And then through this sport-like enthusiasm, we encourage, and that's what the virtual reading programs are really there for, to encourage reading, reading through this very sport-like uh, mentality that obviously I, I gathered from years of playing sports. Love it. Yeah, so if anyone wants to check it out and get a better understanding and not hear me ramble about it, you can go to readwithmalcolm.com, just like it sounds. Uh, readwithmalcolm.com and look through and let me know if you like it. Well, I, I want to get involved now. So <laughs> I'm going to donate, but I, I think that's amazing. I connected with a school teacher in a sort of underprivileged community in, in Texas earlier this year, and she was talking about I don't know if maybe I could give away a copy or two of a book. So anyway, I, I donated just to her. I don't even know her. This is probably not the smartest. Thing, but <laughs> now we're like BFFs, but I just like wrote her a check and I was like, here, go buy everybody some books. And she gave all these kids books. And she's like, some of these kids had never owned a book before in their lives. And now they could like bring home a book. And she's like, they were so excited to own their own book. And I was like, that's amazing. So I don't know. That's like one of the things that made me happiest this year to do. So if, that on like a much bigger scale that's probably a better <laughs> i'm telling you when we go into these schools these title one schools in very low income communities you give a child a book they're trying to give it back because no one's ever given them anything it's astonishing even what i've experienced coming from a similar community but there are some communities that are way more needy than what i experienced and doing it for them is you know a big part of why I do it. Tell me why you started the podcast. I'm curious. Why did I start the podcast? I didn't even mean to start the podcast. The short answer is I am a writer. I love to write. I've been writing since I was like eight years old. And I had been writing recently a lot of parenting essays. Okay. Not like how to. Like I'm crying on the bathroom floor. Are you doing that too? <laughs> kind of more like that. And my husband one night said, you should start, you should put all your essays into a book. And I said, oh, moms don't have time to read books. And then I thought, oh, that's funny. I'll make that my book title. And turns out publishers didn't think that was funny. That, the advice I got is that they wouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have listened, but I listened. And then another friend said, well, while you're sort of building up, because I was like, you know, I wasn't even on social media. I had no following. I had nothing, just some freelance articles. And she said, well, why don't you start a podcast? So I said, oh, great. I'll use the title for that book and I'll, I'll do a podcast. And I was going to start by reading. I'm always like sending articles to friends and things. I'll start by just reading great articles and essays. And then I realized that was illegal. I couldn't do that without permission. So I thought, okay, well, I'll try interviewing authors. I knew like two authors and I'll see how that goes. And I just started and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. I love this so much. So That's incredible. So where's your book? So I have an anthology coming out in February. I actually have two anthologies and two children's books that I have deals for now. So I'm- Oh, congratulations. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah. But I have lots more writing that I want to do. I just, now I don't have time. <laughs> Since I know you, do I get a, a free book? No, I'm sure. Yes, I'm you I'm do. Kidding. No, I'm giving my book to everybody who's been on my podcast. Oh, really? That's yeah. nice. So I'll ask for your address, you know, through email okay. and I'll send you one. No, that's nice. I'm going to follow you. If you want to contribute my next, so it's all written by guests who have been on my podcast writing essays. So I would love you to do my next one. It's not coming out till next November, but we're still getting some submissions for that. Do you have any interest? Yeah, I have a ton of interest. Yay. I'm going to give you my, maybe this is inappropriate to say on the podcast. Well, I won't, I won't put this part in the, I won't release uh, this part. 
I want to put give you my cell number in the chat. How okay. about that? That sounds great. That's really cool. Isn't it amazing how that that takes place? Right. You start this journey with no really anticipation or expectation. That's the word. Expectation to go anywhere. And by the time you look up, you're like, wow, I have three books that I'm responsible for sharing with the world. It's kind of cool. I had a similar experience. I self-published originally because I wrote the story in college. I wrote The Magician's Hat while I was in college. Oh my gosh. And because of NCAA rules, I was restricted from signing with publishers and taking money and stuff like that. That's why I decided to self-publish and I wasn't very patient. (laughs) And I I did it with no expectation, right? I just had this belief that, you know, I'm an athlete. And for some odd reason, people think I have something worthwhile to say. So maybe I should think of something worthwhile to share. And that's, that's what got me into writing. It's me realizing where I was positioned in life and trying to find some valuable way to inspire someone else outside of catching the pass, right? That, that only kind of... Why have you not written a memoir yet? I don't think I'm that interesting. Yes, you are. You would yeah. have a great book in you. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. I get bored with myself, actually. That's why I do so many different things. <laughs> I think there's a story in there. I think it yeah. doesn't have to be that yeah. long. It, well, anyway. Now, I'm sure you have a ton on your plate, but I think you should write a memoir. I think it would be really inspiring. And it would get more people reading. Get more people helping. Maybe your book will inspire me. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I will let you go. Thank you so much. I will text you about writing for this anthology and we'll stay in touch. I'll send you a copy of the book and thank you for coming on my podcast. Now go like relieve your partner and go spend some time with your baby. (laughs) Yeah, I like this is fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I love to stay engaged however I can. This is cool. I love this too. This is great. Thank you. You're really inspiring. You're hardworking and driven and I love it. It's awesome. Well, same to you. Give yourself credit. You're And you're doing it with four children and I'm doing it as a lazy dad. So <laughs> more, more kudos to you than me. <laughs> I don't think so, but thanks a lot. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll be in touch. Thanks, Malcolm. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to today's sponsor, my bookshop.org and my Amazon influencer store. You can check out my Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books and my bookshop.org store, which is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And I hope that you will find every book that you are looking for. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.